everyone. This is the Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. I would also like to recommend Stitcher Premium if you're a fan of podcasts. If you like true crime or crime fiction, there are loads of podcasts out there for you. And with Stitcher Premium, you can listen to the exclusive archives from Criminology or bonus episodes from True Crime Garage. You can also listen ad-free to episodes of your favorite podcasts. I've subscribed, and for only $4.99 a month, it's nice to have ad-free entertainment. Just go to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code CRIMECAFE, that's one word, all caps, to try it out absolutely free for a month. Hi, everyone. My guest is the author of the Walt Asher Thriller series. He also writes Grindhouse Pulp, which we've got to talk about. He is an infomercial writer and director. He's also into wild cult movies, making them, I believe, and runs a website called dailygrindhouse.com. My guest today is Andrew Allen. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for being here. Hey, Debbie. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. I love your resume. I mean, your your bio is just fascinating to me because I love film as well as books. Um, I assume that you were an infomercial writer-director before you started writing books. Yes. Yeah. I... My career is a little bit weird in the sense that I went to film school and then I broke into commercials while I was working on developing some movies. And then uh, I ended up getting a job at the Home Shopping Network, which is based here in St. Pete, Florida. And it's as bizarre as everyone presumes it is, but it was a really great experience. And I learned how to do a lot of things, including sell on TV. And that morphed into doing infomercials which is selling on TV. So, and I have to say, I love it. As ridiculous as it sounds, I, uh, it's a great profession. I think that sounds really cool, actually. Um, what uh, made you decide to do infomercials and what prompted you to start writing books? Money prompted me to start doing infomercials. Um, one, because, you know, we all need it and we all like it. Uh, but the real reason was, like I said, I learned to basically sell on television when I was at HSN. And that is a natural transition into infomercials. And when I decided to leave HSN, I knew I wanted to make my writing, or sorry, make my living still writing and you know, directing and producing commercials. And what was great about infomercials was that it to have a niche um, so instead of just saying hey I'm a commercial writer and there's 10,000 other people I'm competing with I decided to be an infomercial writer and 
you know, there's maybe 10 people I'm commuting with. So now I can like authentically say I'm one of the top infomercial writers in the world and I've got a ton of experience and I've done thousands of commercials in the past decade and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's great. And that's how that came to be. Uh, the reason I started writing books was because I, for a number of reasons, one, I was creatively frustrated. I had been making movies and I had been writing screenplays and which were fun. And some of them got made, some of them didn't, but all of them required collaboration. And I had reached a point where I didn't really want to collaborate anymore, at least for a while. I needed a breather. And that's even on projects that I absolutely loved, movie that I was making with, you know, my best friend. And even then, like we would get in arguments and, and about it and I just needed a break from that. So I wanted to do something on my own and that's when I decided to write a book. I had a story kind of kicking around that I'd never been able to turn into a script. I finally figured out how to make that work in book form, which is the first Walt Asher book and took it from there. The other, the other part of that story is I was actually reading a book by a very famous author that we all know, uh, who I'm not going to name and not to sound arrogant. I thought it was terrible. I was like a third <laughs> of the way. In. And, and I actually caught myself saying I can do better than this. And, mm -hmm. you know, a very arrogant thing to say for someone who's never written a book, but I decided to see if I could back it up. And I think I did. Humbly speaking, I do think I, I, I was right. Funny, because I think a lot of writers actually do start off with those kinds of thoughts. Oh, I could do this. <laughs> and it, it wasn't even looking down at the writing. I, it was more... Exactly. I mean, or looking at the idea of being a writer. It was more like, this story is not entertaining me. And I know enough about story structure from screenplays and things like that to where I could look at this and say... Really, it was about me thinking this guy should be doing a lot better for how big their name is and how much money they're probably making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I have to give you points for originality on coming up with a um, protagonist who is an infomercial writer and director. <laughs> but uh, I, I see that you've drawn from your own background, or at least I assume you have. Um, Tell us a little about Walt Asher. How is it he gets into the kinds of situations that would lead to a thriller series? That's kind of what I had to figure out. Um, <laughs> definitely he is, comes from my background. I, I did go down the road of write what you know, and that's because as confident as I was writing commercials and as confident as I was writing movies, I had no confidence whatsoever writing a book. So I figured I ought to, you know, rely on everything that I could to kind of get off and running with this. So, and then plus the idea of him being an infomercial writer was intriguing. You know, I had, like all of us, I'd written a mil uh, read a million books about cops and lawyers and soldiers and detectives and reporters. And I'm like, that's great. People are probably doing it better than me. So let me try something completely different. Um, and I think it worked. I, it worked because I think Walt 
what I like about Walt and what I like about these books is that he has to rely on persuasion to kind of get by. Doesn't mean he's not physical. There's a lot of action in the books and, but, but he is a true amateur sleuth who has nothing to do with justice. And mm -hmm. basically it starts out, he lives on the Rainbow River, which is a real uh, river in Dunellen, Florida, about two hours north of where I am. And he's, he's in the river. He goes down to his friend's house via the water and he finds his friend dead on the bank of the river uh, with an alligator in the process of chewing him up. But it's clear that the alligator did not kill him. So one thing leads to another and uh, the villain in the story overplays its hand and attempts to kill Walt. And it becomes very clear that he has to do something about it. It's mm -hmm. no uh, a paranoia. It's legitimate and he's going to die if he doesn't figure it out. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that's how piece it together. <laughs> um, let's see. You uh, also write Grindhouse Pulp. That's a series also, correct? Correct. What are those books like? Explain Grindhouse first, I guess. Okay, so basically the Grindhouse was... 42nd Street movie theaters in the 60s and 70s and 80s in Times Square. And, you know, they kind of just show like all the really gross horror movies, the karate movies, all kinds of stuff, you know, movies that were generally looked down upon, but also provided extremely visceral thrills. And I love those movies. I think they're great. <laughs> I know. I love cult movies. And so my Grindhouse Pulp series is basically me coming up with ideas for Grindhouse movies and putting them in book form. Hmm. Just, it's different than Walt. Like the Walt Asher stuff is more thriller, mystery, thriller, suspense. Grindhouse Pulp is, uh, I push things over the edge a little bit more and uh, you know, there's more violence and there's just, you know, just like you'd see in those insane movies. And they're, they're really, they're, they're books of movies I would love to see. Yeah, yeah. You should check out the public domain because there are some really crazy things out there. You probably already know that. <laughs> I've seen a lot of them, that's for sure. Oh my gosh. Have you ever seen Manos, The Hands of Fate? Sadly, I have, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. There's some movies that are just so bad you have to see them. <laughs> That's one of them. Well, that's a little part of my resume. I produced Herschel Gordon Lewis's last movie. Huh. If you know, don't know who Herschel is, he's the guy, he was the first guy to put gore in a movie back in 1963 in the movie Blood Feast. And... He did other movies like Wizard of Gore and The Gore Gore Girls and uh, 2000 Maniacs. And he, he kind of started it all. And he was a, you know, a low budget exploitation filmmaker. And I had the great fortune of meeting him and basically getting to produce a movie for one of my heroes. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um... To get back to uh, Walt, um, is there an overall story arc in the series? So the first book, 
was really just a test to see if I could write a book. <laughs> well, I know that feeling <laughs> of really sort of wrapping the story up. There was a slight, there were a couple subtle hints to where it could go beyond that story. Uh, but then after I thought about it and I liked the process and I thought the book went well and I didn't get demolished by reviews, I was like, yeah, I'll continue this. So as it exists now, there's a three book arc uh, where each is a complete story. Uh, they're full length novels, but the villain is the same in the three of them, the antagonist. It's because the antagonist is more of a secret organization kind of thing than just one person specifically. So there is an arc with that. And then in between each novel, I, I wrote a novella. And those are side stories featuring Walt and some of the same characters from the book, but not related to that big overarching story. So, which is kind of nice. It's sort of like a breather in between, but you still get to spend time with the characters. That's cool. Yeah, most of those are uh, rooted in the fact that Walt's basically best friend up on the river where he lives is a guy named DG who is actually a criminal biker. And he's into all kinds of criminal stuff, but he's just kind of like one of those Florida good old boys who are fun to be around and for whatever reason he likes Walt who's completely not of his world. So in the novellas, uh, those tend to focus on DG getting Walt to do something for DG and that usually mm -hmm. I'm in danger, things like that. And, and that's what Cell Shock, which is the giveaway book for this interview, is one of those things. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that. Actually, I got a copy and I started reading it and it's uh, quite interesting. <laughs> I like it. Um, let's see. Uh, you do make uh, cult movies also? I do. What, I do. Uh, got any titles to lay on us? <laughs> Well, I made a movie called Brain Jacked uh, in 2008, uh, which is about a doctor who kidnaps teenagers, puts these like brain control implants in their minds, and then sends them out to kill, um, which I like. And <laughs> I made that, and then I produced the movie for Hersha Gordon Lewis, and I've had a movie in progress for a while now, um, which we're still working on finishing up. It's called Bigfoot Mob Boss, and it's it's as dumb as the title sounds. He comes to Tampa and he takes over the criminal underground. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I probably sound arrogant, but I'm humble. I mean, it's, it really is turning out good. That's very cool. Um, is there any way we can watch your movies? Um, we go? Um, the Brainjack distribution deal has lapsed, and that's only because I have been too distracted with books and other things to kind of set a new one up. Uh, it'll probably be streaming on Amazon or something here soon. Uh, Bigfoot's not ready yet. Uh, the Herschel movie, which is called The Uh-Oh Show, that's out and about and can be purchased on Amazon. Cool. Fun. Trailers are on YouTube. Fantastic. Good to know. Um, let's see. Who are your favorite writers? I can tell you with clarity that my 
two favorite writers are James Elroy and Harry Cruz. Mm. Most people listening to Crime Cafe podcast probably know who James Elroy is. Um, and I love his work because it's just, it's the kind of work that makes me feel ridiculous for even trying to write books in a way. It's like, <laughs> they're so dense and they're so good and they're so just have such a high velocity to the story that it's, you know, it feels like dynamite in your hands when you crack the book open. And he's done that consistently for decades. So it's like, you know, to, to me, like, just like nobody even comes close in sort of crime uh, genre type stuff. Mm -hmm. And then Cruz is, he's kind of the same way in that his stuff uh, is really potent. He deals with a lot of strange characters and a lot of people don't, I don't know if you're familiar with his stuff, but he is- I'm not familiar with him, no. Uh, even though I think he was published by Simon & Schuster, he wrote in the late 60s, 70s, 80s, into the 90s. And he's from Gainesville, Florida. He's just like this, he's basically, he was, well, he was a, a basically a redneck, but he was also very smart and an unbelievable writer. And he used to teach at the University of Florida. And believe it or not, he was one of Michael Connolly's writing teachers. Hmm. So it's, it's pretty wild because he's, I mean, this is a guy who'd go out in like the swamps and catch catfish and hang around with hillbillies and stuff like that. And then he'd just come back and write these searing novels about the human condition and, and broken people and stuff like that. So I don't think I'm selling it very well, but it's, it's, it's an easy decision if someone were to ask me who my favorite authors were. Actually, I was going to say that that sounds like uh, just the background you would need to, to explore some of the darker side of life, um, living amongst, you know, people who are doing these things, you know, getting down and dirty and so forth. Uh, what yeah. was his name again? Martin Smith? Harry Cruz, C-R-E-W-S. Harry, I don't know where I got Martin Smith. Harry Cruz, C-R-U... Because you're thinking Martin Cruz Smith, who did... Yeah, that's it, yeah. C-R-U, what was that? Uh, C-R-E-W-S. E-W, Cruz, yeah, I got it, like crew cut. Okay. Exactly. Like, even just wait till you see his uh, later author photos. Like, as soon as you'll be like, okay, I see where this is going. Wow, interesting. Okay, um, what are you working on now, other than the movie? Uh, so I actually have three series. Um, mm -hmm. The third series is about, believe it or not, when I started, I was like, I don't want to write about a cop. Well, I'm writing about a cop now. And it's based on this idea I had, which was, what if you were the sheriff of a town and everybody hated you? And not, not because you were like an evil, corrupt sheriff, but just people didn't like you and how much harder would that make your job and this and that and the other thing. So I wrote a book called The Unpopular Sheriff and it's set in Kansas partly because I wanted a break from writing about Florida uh, and also because I have family there and I just thought it would made for like a neat kind of setting. Mm -hmm. And um, So basically it's about this guy, Sheriff Pete, who 
is in the small town of Winfield, which is a real town in southern Kansas. And uh, the story basically starts out, there's a break-in at a farmhouse. Nothing crazy, but, you know, it gets reported and there's a little bit of evidence left around and they find a fingerprint. And the fingerprint goes on to reveal that it belongs to a guy who's in the database and is a known mafia assassin. And so the question's like, what is a known mafia assassin doing out here in rural Kansas? And then as they dig into it, they actually find out that the assassin is on the run from his old crew and they're out to get him. So it's kind of, uh, you have basically the mafia coming to Kansas and facing down with like this sheriff and this small police department kind of thing. Um, yeah, in a town where no one likes the sheriff because for, because for a lot of reasons that gets explained in the book. So it was a concept that just stuck with me and I ended up writing it fairly fast and I liked how it turned out and to the point that I am now actually in the editing phase of the sequel to that, which is called The Unpopular Deputy. Wow, big surprise. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Very good. Well, um, is there a particular cult movie that you would say to a person should see absolutely if they've never seen a cult movie before, what would you recommend? Like the one movie that you would say you absolutely must see this one. I don't know what movie I would necessarily say would be emblematic of cult movies in general. <laughs> and say is I'm one of those rare people who does know what their favorite movie is. And Without hesitation, I would say you absolutely have to see Beyond the Valley of the Dolls by Russ Meyer. Ah, yes. Have you seen it? I have not seen it, but I have been, um, I have been putting up Faster Pussycat Kill Kill on one of my blogs. <laughs> it's on the shelf right back there. <laughs> well, if you ever want to see it with my captions added to it, just go to my blog. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's Debbie a Mac two D O T O O Debbie Mac two dot WordPress dot com. <laughs> yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, do so, please. We can kind of speak the same language on that. This is so cool. <laughs> Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, I will say unequivocally, is the absolute greatest movie of all time. It shuts down every other movie. Oh my gosh! Well, now I really have to see it. <laughs> I've been getting interested in Russ Meyer anyway, so um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's been great chatting with you on this interview, and I guess beyond that, no, it's, I, I guess I will say, much like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, you are allowed to get your cult movies in your books, and you are allowed to get your books in your cult movies. It's two great tastes that taste great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is such a great attitude, and I'm loving it. Thank you. That's well, a great. The, the main thing behind that is definitely write what you love. Um, yes. I, I've looked into things like writing to market and stuff like that, and while I don't discount, you know, the strategy behind it, I don't think uh, I don't think I could be engaged to write a book. I, I don't think writing a book I wasn't interested in would hold my attention enough to make it good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. I mean, the way I see it, you just have to create what you're passionate about or otherwise it's just not going to work. No. It's just going to be painting by numbers. Exactly. 
So, well, thank you so much for being here, Andrew. I really appreciate it. And I wanted to add that the Crime Cafe Patreon page now offers merch at some levels, including a t-shirt very much like this one. Um, it's a little bit different, but it has that, that logo on it. So do check it out. Um, just look for the podcast on my website at debbymack.com, D-E-B-B-I-M-A-C-K.com. Our next interview will be in two weeks, and it'll be with Anne Aptaker. In the meantime, take care and happy reading.